0: you doing all right? All right. We're going to be in uh, Luke chapter 24 today, Luke 24. And if you would, as you're turning there in your Bible, it'll be on the screen here in a second if you don't have your Bible with you or an app on your phone or whatever. Um, Also, uh, we'll be in Romans chapter five in just a a second. But we're going to start off in Luke um, chapter 24, beginning in verse 13. And as we do that, um, we have been in a series for actually longer than we had even talked about um, when the elders got together and we were talking about laying out the storyline of the Bible to help us all understand it better. And as we've gone through the Bible and looked into it, it has become so much more rich and deep to me personally just to see what God has done and that we have all fallen We have all sinned and our first parents, we sinned with them and that sin has been transferred down the line but God has not left us in our sin but has sent Jesus to be the, the payment, the propitiation is the word we learned last week to pay the price for sin so that we could be alive to God. And that's just an amazing, amazing story. And we're picking up here at kind of the, this is, a, this is a turning point. We've talked about creation. We've talked about fall. We've talked about redemption. And then we get to this day, and we're kind of wrapping some things up. And one of the most, the high, I, just went, I, I, was in, I was in college longer than I should have been, honestly. And uh, one of my favorite days and one of the most highly attended days in college and any college class I took was the review day. If any of you have ever taken a class, your review, review day is this. There's a test coming and it's hanging over you, and the test is coming, but the teacher says, hey, if you show up on this day, I'm gonna tell you basically what you should study for that test. We're gonna go over some of these review things. And I'm gonna tell you, we saw people that you're like, are you in this class? I haven't seen you all like semester. I didn't even know you were taking this section of this class. Yeah, man, I just, (laughs) I didn't show up. And so I'm here for the review day. And so this is kind of like, in a lot of ways, kind of like review day, and then some of us we're thinking I don't wanna review day I show up on review day we're gonna talk about the same old thing you ever watch Netflix before you say I'm gonna watch something on Netflix and you you click through Netflix again and again and again and all of a sudden you it's an hour and you haven't watched anything You've just added things on the – I'm going to watch that later. I'm going to watch that later. I'm going to watch that later. We are so obsessed with new things that if, if we don't get something new right now that, oh, man, I, I, just, I can't handle it. Oh, same old, same old. But most of the time, we watch the same series over and over again, don't we? We've got something weird going on in our brains, don't we? It just seems like that, that we are constantly looking for something new, but we are constantly intrigued by what's old get to this place right here. We're going to review in a lot of ways because of what what, the, what God has done in redemption, what he has done through Christ, and then we are going to wrap up the section of redemption of Jesus' finished work on our behalf and look at what it does later on. So you came to a good day. You came to review day, so you showed up on the right day so you can pass the test, all right? There will be a test. We're handing them out afterwards. They're Scantron, so I hope you brought a number two pencil. Just kidding. That's not happening. So if you would, Luke 24. Somebody got really scared. I was like, the test? Really? You know, do you know how much sweat we would see if we like, actually brought out tests? That would be awesome. We won't do that, right? We don't have it in the budget this year. All right, next year maybe. Luke 24, verse 13 says this. That very day, two of them were going to a village named Emmaus. And about, it was about seven miles from Jerusalem. Little context, Jesus has been crucified as a criminal. He had been tried wrongly, convicted wrongly, crucified wrongly. But in his death, he has broken the power of sin, and he, has bore, the wrath, he bore the wrath of God. And so now we pick up this situation. There has been a resurrection that's happened, and there's some guys walking, and they're talking. Okay, They're on the roads to this town called Emmaus, which is about seven miles from Jerusalem. And they were, they were talking with each other about all these things that had happened. And while they were talking and discussing together, Jesus himself drew near and went with them. But their eyes were kept from recognizing him. If you have, if if you got your own Bible, you got an app that has a highlighter thing, notice that. But their eyes were kept from recognizing him. This is a divine passive, which means that God, there's an act of God happening here. That Jesus approaches them. He is resurrected. He has been dead. Now he's alive. This is a miraculous thing. And so he comes and they come alongside him. And obviously, from the way we hear this talk, they were around Jesus at some point in his ministry. And so this they come up to him and they don't recognize him why because god has not revealed it to them i want you to be i want to be very honest and clear with you here unless the lord reveals who jesus is we don't have a hope of understanding who he is because we all want to go our own way but god in his graciousness and mercy reveals who jesus is to us through his word and so we see this these guys are walking they're talking about all the events that have happened because, remember, it was kind of a big deal. Jesus is on the cross, right? Then in the middle of the day, it gets dark. From noon to 3 o'clock, it is pitch black. That doesn't happen. If that happened today, we'd all be outside talking to our neighbors, okay, instead of watching the game. Like, is it dark at 2 o'clock? I thought the days were supposed to start getting longer as we got towards summer. What is the deal? Not only that, then when he dies, a massive earthquake happens, That would be something we would talk about, right? If we were in Hartsville and some, all of a sudden it was dark in the middle of the day, and then there was this gigantic earthquake, so much so that graves spilled open, and then also in the temple, the big curtain, it was torn. Can you imagine what you would be talking about? They had plenty of things to talk about, man. did Did you see how dark it was? It was like noon. What is the deal with that? And you see, they were crucifying Jesus, and they, and they welcomed him in earlier in the week. They were waving palm branches and saying, he's the Christ. And then the next thing you know, the whole crowd's like, crucify him. And they crucify him, and then it gets dark, and then there's this earthquake. And they bury him. It was quite a week for these guys in Jerusalem. So the idea they're talking about this is not understated. It is absolutely, they're talking about this. Jesus approaches them. God keeps There is a divine work of God here where they don't see and understand who Jesus is. In verse 17, it picks up, and he said to them, what's this conversation you are holding with each other as you walk? (laughs) As if he didn't know. And they sit still looking, and they said, then one of them named Cleopas, notice this too, one guy gets a name, the other guy is nameless. Just It would be cool to be the nameless guy in the Bible, right? So then one of them named Cleopas answered, are you the only... Visitor to Jerusalem who does not know the things that have happened there in these days, where were you, man? Were you under a rock? What's the deal? This is like—it's kind of appropriate that we're we're here on Super Bowl Sunday because even those of you who care nothing about the game we will probably know who won the game and at this point now you probably even know who's in the game even if you don't know everybody you kind of like oh i know a little bit of something about that okay because it was this big dealing and this guy the cleopas <laughs> jesus said hey what are you guys talking about and he's like hey like a big thing just happened you don't know and so jesus obviously knows he's just he's just wanting to talk to these guys and so in verse 19 he said what things and they said to him, concerning Jesus of Nazareth, a man who was a, pro- who was a prophet, mighty indeed, and the word before God and the people. In verse 20 it says, and how our chief priests and our rulers delivered him up to be condemned to death and crucified him, but we had hoped that he was the one who would redeem Israel. This idea of redemption, we've talked about it several times, it's we were under bondage. Kind of like what happened to the Israelites when we look back at the Exodus story, they're under control, under bondage sin has has brought all this on. And, and he, we thought they, these guys are just a little bit disappointed because they thought Jesus was the one that was going to break the bonds of Israel and free them from their captors. And he was, but they just misunderstood it. And so they said, but we had hope that he was the one to redeem Israel. Yes. And besides all this, it is now the third day since these things have happened. Note, going on further, it says this in verse 22, moreover, some of our Some of the women of our company amazed us. They were at the tomb early in the morning, and when they did not find his body, they came back saying that they had even seen a vision of angels who said that he was alive. That's a lot of stuff to talk about. The game today, no matter if Peyton wins or Cam wins, it's gonna be bigger than this. Because a dude was dead and now he's alive. And it's not just that, he was Jesus of Nazareth, who thought they thought he was gonna be the redeemer, but he didn't fit the mold. But he redeemed anyway, following God's commands. He's come and now he's alive, and they're telling the story, and they are reacting to all this news that's happened. All of these events, verse 24. Some of, those who were with him, some of those who were with us went to the tomb, and they found it just as the woman had said, but him they did not see. And Jesus said to them, O oh, foolish ones, and slow of heart to believe all that the prophets have spoken. Was it not necessary that the Christ would suffer these things and then enter into his glory? And beginning with Moses and all the prophets, he interpreted to them all the scriptures, and and all the scriptures, the things concerning himself. These guys are walking. Jesus approaches. They're absolutely bewildered. They're talking about all the events that have happened, but they do not yet see how everything connects, especially with the Old Testament. And Jesus comes up and he says, really? You don't understand this? Oh, you you foolish ones, and slow of heart to believe all that the prophets have spoken. now, I don't know if they were offended or not, because you just have this guy, you don't know who he is, he just approaches you guys, "Hey, what's going on? You tell him, and he's like, "Are you stupid?" Very interesting. He says, oh, you foolish ones. It's slow to heart to believe all the prophets. But have you not read? This is what is happening. And so then Jesus is about to break into the best Bible study ever, okay? Because it's led by Jesus about Jesus, okay? Don't you wish you were a fly on that wall? And so we come up, and verse 26, it says, it was, was it not necessary that the Christ should suffer these things and enter into his glory? We talked about that. It was necessary because there is no way for sin to be paid for unless God did it on our behalf. See, we as humans sinned. Jesus came as a human to be our substitute. In every way which we talked about previously, in every way which we failed, Jesus was obedient. So therefore, he was the perfect sacrifice. So that he was spotless and blameless. He could be that lamb of God that's been talked about. He is the lamb of God who could take away sins not only that, he was the substitute. Man committed the sin. Therefore, a man had to die for those things to take place. So He came, lived a perfect life as the God-man, bearing the wrath of God. And so it was necessary that the Christ would come and, had to come and die. And he showed it from the Old Testament. That is what our attempt has been through this series. And so we get to verse 27. And beginning with Moses and all of the prophets... Moses wrote the first five books, and so of the Bible, just Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, Deuteronomy, and so oh, yeah, there you go, got those out pretty quick. I always get worried about Deuteronomy; that always hangs me up when I try to say it real quick. And beginning with Moses and and all the prophets, he interpreted it, to them all of the scriptures, the things concerning himself. Here's been our here's been our mode as we've gone through this series. We believe, and we have said this several time and time again, that the whole Bible is pointing to Jesus. Jesus himself, at this point, tells us that we were on the right track while we were doing that. Does that make sense? He says, he, in this Bible study, while he's walking with these two guys who were clueless about what was going on, he said, let me help you. And here, every part of the scripture, from Genesis to right now, and is pointing to me and the fact that I had to suffer and it was necessary for me to suffer so that people could come to faith and be made right with God and live to God and to know God. All of the scriptures are pointing to me. Now, we have walked through this, and let's go back to our first parents, and we're going to just go over to Romans 5 for just a second. I want you to think about this. The story of the Bible starts with God being the creator, one of the great lines of any book, of any time, in any history is, in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. What a great opening line. It was unparalleled. God, self-existent, always existent, eternal. He speaks, and the world is created. And not we looked at the story of, of creation, that God gave man good things. Time and time again, he put him up in the garden. He gave him everything he wanted. want. And when he saw that man was lonely, what did he do? He made for him a, whoa, man, okay? So that he could be, he was like, yeah, I like her. That's finally bone of my bone, flesh of my flesh. All the other animals were not like her. She is for me. And so that is a good, good God. He is being good to us. He is showing grace to us. But what happens? He gives us one prohibition, and he says, do not taste of the tree of of the, uh, of the knowledge of good and evil, and what do we do? We believe a serpent, the one who has fallen, the, the devil, the one who disbelieves God and wants to make a mockery of God. We believed him instead of the one who's given us all of the good gifts that we could ever want, and only one rule, and we disobey. And what happens when we disobey? Shame enters in. If you remember the story, what do they do? They realize that they were naked and they were ashamed. And so you know what they did? They were like, hey, um, we should probably cover ourselves up. Let's go get some uh, fig leaves, okay? And let's Put them in strategic areas, and then they tried to hide from God like that was going to work, and he said, hey, where are you guys? Not that God didn't know, but he was giving them the chance to come clean, and so what do they do? They come, and they try to blame other people. Adam blames the woman. The woman blames the serpent, and they stand condemned, and they get kicked out of the garden, but God in his goodness, what does he do? He says, Eve, from you will come the one who will crush the serpent's head. And his heel will get bruised, but through him, through this line, is going to come the one who is going to take away sin. And in, in the book of Romans, which really uh, uh, unpacks the apostle Paul, really uh, just tells us about God's salvation. We get to Romans chapter 5, and in verse 12, it says something like this. It says, therefore, just as sin came in the world through one man, namely Adam, which you are talking about, and death through sin, and so, death spread to all men because all sinned. De- sin and death are like a disease. Through one man, it came into the world, and it has spread to every man since then because we are underneath Adam because we're human beings. Underneath, by that what I mean by that is we're his descendants. And so, it goes on in verse 13, for it says this, for indeed, or Romans chapter 5, for indeed, for sin indeed was in the world before the law was given, but sin is not counted where there is no law. Remember, the law didn't come till Moses on Mount Sinai. So before then, there was, still, there was no law, but there was still sin in verse 14. And yet death reigned from Adam to Moses, even over those whose sinning was not like the transgression of Adam. Who was, this is, this is a very important word, a word, who was a type of the one who was to come. A type. Think about this. How many of you have ever um, ever played uh, one of the, uh, a team sport? Uh, maybe in PE when you back back in the day. Uh, but you had what did you do to get the teams? Usually, somebody appointed captains, right? You follow me? Have you ever? I've never seen that. What are you talking about? They get, <laughs> we don't do that in Charleston County. Okay, they appoint captains. All right, and well, you have one captain over here and one captain over here. Well, what would happen? I picked that kid and I picked that kid and I picked that kid. And when who, this, t- this, you know, team A, they would pick, I'd pick Tom, okay? Tom would come over, okay? Team B, I'd pick John Ayers and they'd come over, okay? And man, we're getting, <laughs> this would be a good game right here, okay? Play basketball. We got two centers we could throw it into, okay? Some of you who do not like sports checked out on that. I don't know what he's talking about. Center. I didn't say center, I said center. <laughs> Just wanted to be clear. We get to this, and so these guys would pick teams. And so think of it that way as a type, that you're either under this team or that team. And so what happened is all human beings, because of Adam and his sin, have been affected by sin. And sin and death entered the world through Adam, both physical and spiritual death. And every one of us are underneath that team captain or that type. Every one of us has sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. We've all gone our own way. We have all gone astray from God. And because of that, because we are sinners both by our nature and by, who, by our own decisions, we are underneath the condemnation and wrath of God and rightfully deserved. This wrath is not like when we get angry, like it's, the, it's not irrational and with blurts and with with just had enough and like, hey, you know, you know what I'm talking about? You know what I'm talking about because you've probably been in that situation. It's like somebody tapping you on the shoulder for an hour and I'll finally go, What? That is not how God's anger is. His anger is perfect, it's holy, it's just, it's long-suffering, and it is, it is commensurate to the crime. And for our disobeying and our rebellion against God, it is eternal death and punishment in hell, experiencing the wrath of God. And every person who is under Adam has experienced that. And because of that, this world is a mess, right? You don't believe me? Think about this injustice. A man who exposed the fact that Planned Parenthood was selling baby parts, organs, and skin, and other things. When that is exposed that these people are trafficking in human organs, you know what happens? The grand jury doesn't indict Planned Parenthood for trafficking human body parts, they indict the person who exposed it. Sin has, is, has run amok. It's insane. Go even further. Think about the unchecked, seemingly unchecked sin that's going on in the Middle East with ISIS and the decapitation of Christians and other Muslims who do not exactly agree with ISIS. This world, just turn on the news and you will see some of the sickest things you ever want to imagine. You go talk to a social worker and see what kids at our high schools, our middle schools, and our elementary schools are having to deal with because their parents have are under the curse and under the type under the team captain of Adam. Sin and death is ruling. But there was a conqueror. And his name is Jesus and he rose, after he paid the penalty for sin. And because of that, there, Adam is a type, but Christ is also a type. And in his coming, he bore the wrath of God for sin, And he, in his resurrection, showed that God accepted the sacrifice on his behalf. It's kind of like the receipt at the end of a transaction show that it's paid. He got up. The supernatural thing that happens. Most of us, when we go to a funeral, we don't expect it to have a happy ending. Right? Right? That was the best funeral. At the end of it, we told this guy how, we were, we were there and our friend had passed away and we were like, we love him so much, we're gonna miss him and all of a sudden, he's like, thanks guys, appreciate it. Got up and we had dinner with him. Has that ever happened? No. And if it did, that would be really crazy and frightening and you would make the news, okay? No, this is, a, this is something that is a supernatural act where Jesus gets up. This is what these guys on the road to Emmaus were talking about, that, that he's alive. And so we got these two team captains, right? Romans 5 talks about that. The team captain here, all of us are under him unless we come and we're under Christ. And so it goes on in Romans 5 to say this, and I have this on the screen here for you in verse 18. Therefore, as one trespass, as Adam's trespass, led to the condemnation of all men, just as Adam and his sin led all of us underneath on his team, led all of us towards condemnation, which means judgment for sin. So one act of righteousness, Jesus' act of righteousness, his perfect life and death on our behalf, leads to the justification and life for all men which means this, that in Adam, all died and are subject to the judgment of God, rightfully delivered for our rebellion against God. However, in Christ, his one righteous act, where he lived a perfect life, died a sinless death, fully entrusting himself to God, and he rose in his righteous act. All men can have life through faith in Jesus. In verse 19, it says it again, for as by the one man's disobedience, Adam's, the many were made sinners. Just as because of Adam, all of us are sinners. We follow in his footsteps. We, we inherit his sin, and we sin by choice as well. Verse 19, it says this, So by the one man's obedience, the many will be made righteous. Just as in Adam, all became sinners. Just as in Christ, if you come to Christ, you will no longer be a sinner, but you will be made right with God. Now, I want you to read this because I want to read this again, but I'm going to change a few things. I'm going to just read it straight out, but I'm going to, instead of saying the one who trespasses, the one who is righteous, I'm going to put in Adam's name and I'm going to put in Jesus' name. And so we got this idea of being on two teams. You following me? Sometimes in Romans, that Paul uses a lot of pronouns, and it can get a little bit confusing, so I want to help you by putting a definite uh, idea here. So look in verse 18. I want to read it to you again. We'll have it on the screen, but I want to replace the one with the, per, the particular name he's talking about. And as Adam's trespass led to the condemnation of all men, so Jesus' one act of righteousness leads to justification in life for all men. For as by Adam's disobedience, the many were made sinners, so by Jesus' obedience, the many are made righteous. And then it goes on to say, Now the law came to increase the trespasses. The law of God just shows us that we are sinners. But where sin increased, grace abounded all the more so that as sin reigned in in death, grace also might reign through the righteousness leading to eternal life through Christ Jesus our Lord. If every person is under Adam's team, is on Adam's team, unless by faith and by the revelation of God they move from death to life and being on Jesus' team. And through his one act of obedience, which is accepted by God and evidenced by the resurrection, sin and death are done because he paid it, and we are alive to God, and we have eternal life. And though we taste, just like Jesus said, to, to, uh, in the situation with Lazarus, he says, though a man die, yet shall he live. Because Jesus is the resurrection and the life. So this is the story. God created everything that was good. We all fell. We were on Adam's team. We all fell by nature and his inherited sin and by choice. But in Christ, who all the Old Testament was pointing to, we have redemption of our sins. We have been bought back. We have a life ahead. We have eternal life. Our sins have been forgiven. The condemnation has been paid for by Jesus. He bore the judgment for us so that we can know the life. It is an amazing promise. And so that is the Bible study plus infinity that Jesus has given to these guys on the road to Emmaus, which we're going to go back to in Luke 24. And so we get here. They're walking. Jesus is blowing their minds. And we get in verse 28. Verse 28. And so they drew near to the village to which they were going. And he acts as if he was going a little bit farther. These guys are walking. The two, the two guys welcome this other guest that they don't know who's been explaining the scriptures to them and explaining why Jesus had to suffer. And they get to this place. And, and Jesus is going to keep walking. And they said, in verse 26, but they urged him strongly hey, 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 stay with us. It's towards the evening, it's getting late. And the day is now spent, why don't you just come and let's go eat together, let's, let's, let's stay together, let's, let's hang out. We don't know where these guys were going, we don't know if it was like some, you know, first century hotel, I don't know what that would be like, okay, I mean, maybe the Hampton, I don't know. We don't know if it was somebody's house, we don't know the situation, but they say, hey, come on in and let's eat. And so he, says, and so he went to stay with them, verse 30, and he was at the table with them, and if you follow Luke's gospel, Jesus is at the table like all the time. Uh, with, with people. It's very interesting. And so in verse 30, it says, when he was at the table with them, he took bread and blessed it and broke it and gave it to them. Now, that reminds you of anything? When was the last time that he was at a table with someone and he blessed the bread and broke it? Now, they're just eating a regular meal, but this, the way this is worded is pointing towards the fact that he is saying, remember my body broken for you? because then look what happens. And their eyes were opened. Go back in the verses that were before that. Remember? Their eyes were veiled for seeing who he was, right? That was a divine thing. It was a divine passive is what we talk about in the language here. And what we have is God has closed their eyes to seeing who Jesus is, and then through the sacrifice, through the, the teaching of the word of God, which he's done on the road, telling, showing who Jesus is and what he's supposed to do through the Old Testament, and now through the breaking of the bread, which is meant to remind us and look forward to what Jesus has done in the Lord's Supper, what happens? Verse 31, and their eyes were opened, and they recognized him, and then he vanished from their sight. Verse 32 says, and they said to one another, did not our hearts burn within us while he talked to us on the road, while he opened the scriptures? You can, can you imagine that? Have you ever been with a friend and something amazing happens and you look at each other and you're like, <laughs> You're like, no way! And high five. I mean, that is exactly what you got here. I can just imagine, like, all of a sudden they've been walking with this guy and they've been teaching the scriptures, and they're probably going, "Wow, man, this guy really knows his stuff." Oh my goodness! Wow. Wow, wow, I never saw that in there. And if these are Jewish guys, they, they had been acquainted with the, the Old Testament scriptures for their entire life, okay? Some of them even having to memorize huge chunks of it. And so Jesus is explaining and explaining, and they said, this guy who's with them, they don't know he's Jesus. They said, come and eat with us. And they come and eat, and all of a sudden he breaks the bread, and they say, that was Jesus, and he's gone. Right? Did <laughs> you guys see that? And this is, man, didn't our hearts just burn within us when he was with us? Now, their reaction and thinking about their reaction leads us to this point. We have talked for just about, I think it's been 19 weeks now, and about what God has done in his creation and the fall and in the way he's bringing redemption through Jesus. We've talked about that again and again and again. And so I want to ask you, what is the reaction that is necessary to this? There are three things. It's a bad discernment, okay? i have got to give you three points, right? There will be a poem later. There are three things that I'd like you to think about as a reaction that you should have to this. The first one is surrender. Now, note this. Jesus... Knowledge of God, knowledge of Jesus Christ, all about God and and Jesus, only can come through the Word of God, okay? So what has Jesus done? He is explaining to these guys from the Word of God, the Old Testament, how... That's what they had as the word of God at this point. They, he's explaining how Jesus is the fulfillment, and he is the one, the Messiah, to come to take away sin. He explains them that to them. And then they see the fulfillment. When he breaks the bread, it becomes obvious that Jesus' death on the cross and the subsequent resurrection are what the Bible is pointing to, and that is the way that man can come to know God. It becomes very clear to them, and so their hearts are burning here. Why? Because they heard truth through God's word, and once what probably seemed confusing and muddled has now become clear. And their hearts are burning within them. I want to just talk about that for a second. See, the Word of God being preached and taught, sometimes there seems like there's a fog over it. And you just can't quite understand how the dots connect. And, and even if sometimes you can understand the what the main crux of the the biblical story is, that Christ died for our sins, you may may only have intellectual knowledge of that. But this idea here of having something burn within you is talking at the deepest levels, not just mentally, emotionally at your soul level. They recognize truth, and it burned within them so much that it was... Evident in their entire being that what was being said was true. It it is kind of like the feeling that we have towards our spouse of love, but times so much greater. And those of you who who know Christ and have have experienced this could understand this very clearly, that when you hear the Word of God preached, you hear the gospel, you're like, that's true. That's not just true, like, I'm going to, I just believe this thing hypothetically. It's true in every part of who I am. It has a bearing on every part of me. It's, it's kind of the core story of me, is that I, was sin, I have sinned and fallen short of God, I have I've gone my own way, but God has done this great work, work in Jesus, and by faith I come to know that, and now when I hear that, I know it's true, and now my life is pointed in a different direction, and so why do I say the reaction is surrender? There are some of us here today who've been walking through this for some time, who've been hearing God's word, you've been showing up at the journey, you've been showing up at Bible studies, you've been showing up in these different places, and now the fog is starting to clear, which if it is, it's just only and whole it's not you getting smarter or better it's the word of God it's the Holy Spirit revealing this to you remember they couldn't see Jesus and through his resurrection in the scripture then all of a sudden God revealed it and what happens the fog clears, hearts burn and they know for a fact down at the deepest levels what Christ has done and so you're in this place today and you've been hearing this you've been hearing it taught you've been, we've been walking through the scriptures trying to do just a, an eighth of what Jesus—I mean, the amazing, amazing way Jesus would have probably done this and explained Himself through the Scriptures—we've just been trying to just do just a smidgen of that, and now all of a sudden, your heart's burning within you, and you're like, "That is true." So here is here is the next step: repent, which just means turn from your sin. In every case, when someone is. Called to be reconciled with God, repentance is necessary. In fact, it usually is in tandem with this one: turn from your sins, believe, believe in the accomplished work of Jesus, believe that it is for you. Not just believe it in in a uh, theoretical sense, but in a real sense that. The death that he died was on my behalf. He bore the sins. The only hope I have, the only hope I have, not just in some sense so I can punch some kind of ethereal get out of, get out of hell free card and go to heaven. No, I bank all my trust and hope that I could be right with God through this one man who came and who died and he rose because he was the God man. And so all of a sudden, it's no longer just kind of an abstract principle. It's a real thing in your life. And so there's a turning away from sin that has to happen. And let's be very clear about this. No one can continually walk in sin and follow Jesus. So turn from your sin and then trust Jesus because here's the thing. We need him at every hour of every second of every day because he is our righteousness. We have no good standing before God except through Jesus. We will continue to sin and fall short. And what do we bank on? Do we bank on our goodness? No, we could never bank on our goodness because we're not good apart from him. So we have to trust him at all times. So repent, believe, and then confess. And so here's the thing that sometimes we get wrong. Sometimes we have, and you may have experienced this, you think that the way to come to God is by walking some aisle. The way to come to god is by praying praying some prayer the way to come to god is by doing x y or z get up come down to sit on a bench come down and pray at an altar come down this no the way you come to god is by faith no other way anyone adds anything else to that that is wrong you come by faith resulting in repentance of sins faith and repentance are always together in the bible and then you see this, this next part. Then there's a confession that happens. confession doesn't happen when you come down and you shake a preacher's hand. The confession doesn't happen when you sign a card. The confession doesn't happen when, you, when somebody gives you the approval that you said some prayer right. The confession of your sins or the confession that you are in Christ happens through baptism. What is baptism? Well, here's what it looks like at our church, okay? We get this giant horse trough, which is awesome, okay? And we put it right here, and it's freezing cold. We're going to work on that and get it warmer, okay, I promise we're working on that, all right? And we put it here, and we fill it up with water and and you'd think, now that's it's it's weird to do this. Outsiders are probably like, what are they doing? They roll this big Rubbermaid container up, put a tarp down, smack it in here. We run this like crazy little hose thing down. We fill it up for, you know, it takes two hours to fill it up all the way, and then we dump people in icy water. What is that supposed to? It doesn't do anything salvifically. What I mean by that is that does not save you. That's a lie perpetuated by other people. That's not true that's repentance and faith read the bible because and, and this is just an example remember that guy who died on the cross with jesus right He was not baptized right so he can't he couldn't be saved if 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 salvation comes through baptism the guy on the cross who died by jesus was what he, he just believed and jesus said today you'll be with me in paradise he repented of his sins remember he was reviling with the other man he said no i'm not reviling anymore this guy's right. This is the son of God. He sees it very clearly. And what does he do? He says, let me, God, let me, Jesus, let me be in your kingdom. He believes. And he says, today, son, you'll be with me in paradise. There was no other. He didn't have to walk in, out. He didn't have to sign a card. He didn't have to pray a prayer. He didn't have to get dunked. What did he have to do? I'm blabbering this because this is important. Because we like, like to tell ourselves things. We like to make life easier than it actually is. In some ways, we like to make things. We like to make things. Um, we like to have like instructions in the sense of do X, Y, and Z, and you're okay with God. No, this is the instruction. Believe in Jesus. Trust what He's done, and then follow in baptism. And so we got. Remember, i was talking about what we do here. We got this big trough. There's water in it. What do we do? We dunk you. What the word bapti- baptism. Is a word that means to immerse. Why do we do that? We, that is our way of saying the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus is what I trust for my salvation, and I want everybody here to know it. And it is like, I've told this to people getting baptized here, you're preaching your first sermon that I know what Jesus has done, and I, be- I believe. And so there may be some of you here that the cobwebs have cleared and the Holy Spirit has revealed to you that this is the only way to life through Christ. And we invite you to come and express that through baptism. If you'd like to do that, write it down on one of those passport cards. Come see me or one of the elders, Tom, Kevin, or one of our deacons. would be glad to talk to you about it. We would be glad to talk to you about about baptism and get that, get that going. If you have repented of your sins and trusted Christ, then let's tell everybody about it because that's the way the New Testament does it. So that would be the call here as we see in the cobwebs clear and our hearts burn with surrender. And surrender is, because this is gonna be a surrender for some of us because most of us fear, like Jerry Seinfeld talks about this in, in one of his comedy routines. The number one fear in life is public speaking and number two is death. And if you ever heard the little routine he does, he says, most of us would rather be in the casket than give in the eulogy, okay? So, and some of us, the idea of being baptized in front of everybody, and then you're gonna like dunk me in water, and I'm gonna have to come up and do that ugly baptism face. It's like <laughs> you're blowing water everywhere. Yes, it happens. We're acknowledging it. We're acknowledging the elephant in the room. No one looks good going underneath the, the water. It just doesn't happen, okay? There's not one of us that comes out like a you know, supermodel, okay? It doesn't happen. It's like <laughs> All right? Ooh, that was a lot of that. It is a, it's a messy deal. But it is, it is a confession of faith. And Jesus talks about we not denying him before men. That's one move. The second move, the second reaction to God's plan of salvation is this, to tell. Look what happens in verse 33. And they rose that same hour and returned to Jerusalem. They had just walked seven miles the wrong way and they had just gotten to sit down and eat and guess what whoa (laughs) that was Jesus let's go and so they rose that same hour it's not like let's get some sleep first and get fresh start on our seven mile walk back to Jerusalem (gasps) we gotta go man now okay and they rose the same hour and returned to Jerusalem and they found the eleven and those who were with them gathered together saying the Lord is risen indeed and he appeared to Simon he's alive and then they told what had happened on the road and how he was known to them, made known to them in the breaking of bread. They go, he's alive and we have to tell somebody. Here's the other reaction. The one reaction was for that person who is, who is right now, the cobwebs are clearing and they need to come to faith in Christ and need to express that faith through baptism. Secondly, here is the reaction that's necessary, especially for those of us who have known the power of the resurrection by faith and have trusted Christ. We're no longer in Adam. We're in Jesus. It is simply to go and tell. Now, guilt is a motivator that we could use at this point. Well, if you talk about Disney World and your great time you had there, how much more should you talk about Jesus? (laughs) Or... If you're going to get excited by the Super Bowl, and I'm watching you for the Gatorade things, I saw you guys, okay? If you're going to get excited about the Super Bowl, let's call it a Jesus juke is what this is. If you're going to get excited about the Super Bowl, you should get way more excited about Jesus, and you should. But you know what we're not going to do? We're not going to take you on a guilt trip, because those are usually short trips and don't last very long. What I do want you to know, if Jesus has done something in your heart and you have passed from death to life, then tell somebody about it. Now, you may not get to the point where you, at this point in your life, you can explain the gospel completely to somebody or feel comfortable doing that. But you got to start somewhere, right? And so maybe you just need to open your mouth and just brag on what God has done for you. And it will get awkward because it's uncomfortable. Comfortable and unusual, but so is the resurrection, and it is true, and it's alive, and these words of life that we can speak are unbelievable. I was in, uh, I was getting my coffee this morning, I I it on what they're telling us, I was getting my coffee this morning over at Twice Dailies, and I walked up, and there's these two guys talking, and I'm trying not to listen, but you know I eavesdrop, okay? So <laughs> I'm sitting there, confession time. I'm sitting there, got the two cups of coffee, and I'm you know, fix up. My wife takes like 75 sugars and 8,000 creamers. And I, you know, she, she likes creamer with a little bit of coffee in it. I love you. And so I'm sitting there and I'm doing that. And so I, that's important to the story because I'm there for quite a while. And these two guys are talking about the prison. And the one guy's talking about, man, they just need to, they keep moving. So, they're going to move some of the worst of the worst of this prison. And they're going to da, 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 And the one guy says, we know all know what the problem with everyone is, right? The guy said, what? He said, it's sin. I was like, oh, oh, oh! I mean, he's telling. He's like, everybody's sin. That's why this world's so messed up. And I was almost like, hey, preach, brother. Okay. <laughs> I was keeping it together though, because I didn't want to get, I didn't want to get in the middle of that. Because I had to get back up here, and I'm like, that guy's doing fine. I'm just gonna keep stirring my coffee. All right. And that's exactly. I mean, can you, can you imagine the next time somebody talks about how bad the world is, and you don't talk about, and you start, to, and, you, and you fail. Here's our defaults when you start talking about the world. Is, well, we need to get new government. Well, we need to buy more guns. Well, we need to make sure that nobody, who's foreign ever comes to our country, blah, blah, blah. Okay, there's good debates that need to happen about all those things. What I am saying is, what, instead of saying that and going into all these discussions, you just said, you know what the world needs more than anything else? A church that knows the presence of Jesus and people who love Jesus telling other people about redemption and Jesus who you're going to vote for. I don't know. But Jesus is the answer, not a dim or a GOP guy. It's Jesus. And so we get to this place where you tell, start telling, and you don't necessarily have to be great at it. Just tell, first off, tell your experience about what Jesus has done that you've passed from death to life. Finally, notice this, how how did Jesus reveal himself in verse 35? How did they, how, what was the mechanism they used, that he used to just kind of unveil their eyes? Besides the word of God, we see in verse 35, and they told what had happened on the road and how he was known to them through the breaking of bread. Here's the other thing we get to do today. We're going to celebrate the Lord's Supper, which is another way we get to preach the gospel and wait his return. And maybe today, if you have come to faith in Christ and the cobwebs have cleared and you have passed from death to life, you need to come and partake of this for the first time. Because here's the deal. The Lord's Supper is just a symbol of what Christ has done. It's only for those who have trusted Christ and have passed from death to life. And so we invite you, if you have come to know Jesus, to partake in this celebration with us today. However, if you do not know Christ, it's not for you. Because this victory that this proclaims has not been yours yet. But the call is to come. Those who are far off in your sin or in Adam, come to Christ. Come to Jesus. He is resurrection and the life. He is the way, the truth, and the life. And no one comes to God except by Him. He said it Himself. He showed His words to be true through His resurrection. Secondly, for us, it's a come and... It, bask in the glory of Jesus, and then a go and tell. We're not going to grade you on how well you did it this time, okay? Tom's working on a form; We'll do that later. No, I'm kidding. No, but just just, just speak the word of Jesus because he is so good to us. And finally, let us proclaim and taste the Lord is good. And so what we're going to do, we're going to pray, prepare our hearts, and we're going to have um, Kevin come forward and our deacons come forward right now. We're going to do the Lord's Supper. We're going to pray first. And if you would, let us bow just for a minute and just just take a second and speak to God on your own. Because only he knows how you need to respond and react to this message. Father, we come. and We pray that those who are far off would come near and would repent of their sins and trust in you. And God, we pray that some would confess and uh, follow you in obedience and baptism. God, we also ask that you would give us boldness and a heart of gratitude and love that would we would express to someone. And we'll just tell someone this week, about your goodness to us, whether it's through the blessings that you've given us or we just talk about Jesus for just a few minutes or whether we get a chance to share the whole gospel. God, burden our hearts and let us joyfully tell about what Jesus has done. And God, as we taste and see and as we experience the Lord's Supper today, God, may this be a celebration that we were dead and now we were alive because you bore the sin on the cross, and you were dead, and now you're alive, and we live in you. God, let us celebrate that through the Lord's Supper. Thank you for our church family, God. Thank you for your word. Thank you for the cross, and thank you for the empty grave. In Jesus' name, amen.